Hi, and thank you so much for listening to Pivotal Moment. I'm your host, Nikita Faustin. Here we talk to people in music, news, and entertainment about the moment that changed it all. The moment that took them from where they were to where they wanted to be. And today on Pivotal Moment, I'm so happy to have comedian, actor, and author Michael Collier. He talks to Pivotal Moment about the moment and the person who helped him beat his 23-year cocaine addiction. Also, find out what Rick Ross and Snoop Dogg said to Collier at the BET Awards this year and what happened at Jamie Foxx's after party. Michael Collier is the original host of BET's Live from L.A., where he's known as the king of Venice Beach. You have seen him in Blackish, Martin, House Party 3, Norbit, and you've heard him in Disney's Princess and the Frog. Michael Collier is the star of the one-man play, Michael Collier's Mama, Slated for a 100 city tour. And if you've seen Michael Collier on tour, then you know he likes the style and profile. If you saw him at the BET Awards this summer, then you know exactly what I mean. Welcome, Michael Collier. Thank you. Yay. I want to <laughs> applaud myself. I didn't realize I did so much. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> Yay. So, yes, let me just, before we get into the pivotal moment, what was that like? You were at the show, BET Awards, they interviewed you, you were at the after party at Jamie Foxx's house. How was all of that? Now, how did you see the after party at Jamie Foxx's house? That's my job, Mr. Collier. You'll be on it, huh? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's always you. So, it's you know, wherever you go, you and your personality will determine it. So, BET is wonderful. If you go there with a wonderfulness, yes. I saw people at BET that were complaining. You know, no way. Uh, I saw no way people were on the internet complaining about the show not being good. Oh my You know, gosh. the show is not good. But come on, this show is not good. Uh, see, I happen, I happen to be a senior citizen. Okay, <laughs> I'm 61, though I don't feel a day over 59. Anyway, I've been around long enough to remember when you barely saw black people on TV at all, mm-hmm. and when you saw them, they had a subservient role. Or there's one for like 30 seconds, and they pick up a box or something, then they get back off. You know, they'll come in, they'll, they'll drop a line or two. When I can go to a show, there's black content, there's black produced, that's going out all over the world with some of the most beautiful and excellent accomplished people in the world. I'm already pretty happy about that. But did you see the show? I saw the show. I saw you that see? you could not get to your seat without somebody saying, Michael, Michael, selfie, Michael. No. <laughs> we ain't talking about me. We talking about the show. The so, show was great. Anita home. Baker's part was wonderful. Anita Baker's was wonderful with all the women singing her songs. Yes. But with Anita, a living legend, coming to speak to us. The J. Cole piece, yes. when he sings about don't medicate, meditate. And then the lights come up and all these children in white are mm-hmm. meditating and doing yoga poses. Then we see the brother Meek Mill, who they threw back in jail just because he was popping willies on his motorcycle. Use that as a violation. Anything for the police to be heavy-handed on us. And they showed his brother because people stood up for him, came back out. That scene he, that he did, a street scene with kids playing, and then a child gets shot in the street, and a mother comes to her aid, and he's rapping. It was brilliant. This show was absolutely, don't even talk about the girl named her. She was off the chain. Don't talk about Snoop Dogg. How can anybody be at their house looking at this? If they look at this and say it's not good, they don't know their own history. It was excellent. Excellent. It was an excellent thing. Yeah. But once again, I only say this to illustrate that it's not the thing It's always you. It's how you look at a thing. It's like it doesn't matter what happens to you. It's how uh, how you respond to it, how you deal with it. That matters. So I went to a show that I wasn't invited. I had no tickets. I had no passes. I had no credentials. Shit. I put on my cute clothes, and I went down there and stood around till I got me a ticket. And before I went, I got on Facebook and told people. I said, I'm going to BET, and I'm getting in. And either I'm getting in BET, or I'm going to jail. So Monday, you'll be able to hear about my BET awards experience, or you'll be able to hear about my jail experience, because I'm going in. And so I stood around and waited, and people walked by. You don't have no ticket. can't believe you have ticket. You don't have no credential, Mr. Kaya. You are the credential. You legend. But the people running it didn't think that. They looked at me and kept doing their thing, but I didn't care because I went with my spirit of openness and positivity, and I went there knowing that I'm going in there. 
I ain't just wow. going, I'm going in. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to hang out with people. And right before they actually started the show, one brother walked up to me and said, Mr. Kaya, I'm going to go in and give you my extra ticket. I was going to sell it. I said, you got an extra ticket? Let me, let me see it. Let me see it. <laughs> so before I, he said, I was going to sell it, but I figured I might as well bless somebody with it. And he gave mm. me a ticket. And our ticket was fantastic. But that's because I showed up with an attitude of gratitude. Mm. I showed up with total openness and expecting the thing to already be done. I wake up standing in my abundance. So that's what I'm expecting. You get what you expect, just like you get what you prepare for. So if you're always talking negative, oh, this ain't going to work, this ain't going to go, well, you're right. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to go. But if you say, man, I'm going to do this by this time, then the universe comes together and gives you the tools. I didn't just go to the show. Man, I hooked up with so many people. You saw me. I did. They ended up interviewing me on the post show. I didn't even have a ticket. That's a testimony right there. That is a walking testimony of truth and favor. Girl, I'm getting interviewed with Rick Ross. I had never met Rick Ross. He got off the couch and came right to me. You know what, though? He thought I was Dapper Dan. You know Dapper Dan? Yes. A lot of folks, you said, sometimes think that's who you are. You both are very different. Yeah, dapper. he thought I was Dapper yeah. Dan because I had them glasses on. He came on me, started talking to me. And I was sitting there thinking, man, I sure hope I can re- to meet Rick Ross. I'm just standing there looking at him. Mm-hmm. I sure hope that's, once again, putting it in the universe. I sure hope I can meet. I hope he come over and say hi to me or something. He walked right. He made a beeline to me. He came right to me with them glasses on. He said, man. You have done so much for me in my life, brother. Wow. I mean, I wear your clothes all the time. I got a piece of your clothes hanging on my wall. I said, hold up. That ain't me, Slim. I'm not Dapper Dan. Oh, Michael Kyle. Oh, you that funny dude. Yes. Man, them glasses look like they're worth 30000 I said, brother, don't worry. I'll get you a pair. Man, I need them. You know? Wow. Nah, of course, I ain't heard from him since. But that ain't <laughs> the point. The point is... That he came directly to me. Snoop came to me and took a picture with me and said, Michael Kaya, I admire you. You know, I'm not asking for this. I'm not searching for this. I'm just trying to live my life the right way. And right actions always create right results. And so I'm just, just trying to not hurt nobody. I ain't going to take nothing from nobody. I wasn't going to steal. I wasn't going to slap nobody. Take their ticket. I won't clam up no fence. I'm going <laughs> to stand there and be positive. You know, jovial, happy, yes, yes, you know, yes. shine light on others. And when you shine light on others, you give them permission to shine their light. And, and they'd be like, oh, well, come on in with me. Turn out the fella gave me a ticket, actually books comedy shows. So now he wants to book me on top of the fact that he gave me a ticket. Isn't that so then I'm, I'm leaving the place when they grab me. I'm halfway out the door. The white dude with the headset on grabbed me and said, Mr. Kelly, can we interview you? At the post wow. uh, show, I'm like, what? I ain't got no ticket. Y'all want to interview me? I think I'm available. I think so. I can fit it into my schedule. I think yeah, so. I think. And awesome. then Anita Baker was back there, and she was giving me love, telling her kids she'd been knowing me for 25 years. Isn't and then Michael Kai shows up as Michael Callier. Every time he show up, that he don't change, he's always the same. And I hope that that same is always the sameness of love and positivity and peace and light and joy and abundance. That's what I want to be always. I want to be joy walking. You joy know, every walking. Place I go. That yeah, is such I want to lead with my heart, man. Yes. Well, I want to ask yeah, you about that because that joy and that light is really resonating with so many people around you. That's why they seemingly are drawn to you, even at the BET Awards, which you said you didn't even have a ticket to, and then you're getting interviewed. So that's not oh your light. That's the light, Michael. So let me ask you this as we're talking about the light. Tell me about that light, that pivotal moment in the light that made the difference in your life, not even in your career specifically, but just in your life as a whole. What was the biggest moment? that changed from where you were to where you wanted to be? You know, that's a difficult question for me to answer. First of all, I'm not where I want to be yet. Although I am content and gracious and grateful for where I am because who is the richest? He is who is content with what he has. Mm -hmm. So I'm already grateful. I'm very, very happy. But I'm I'm not even a tenth of the way of where I want to be. But God has brought me to so many places and given me so much. I was telling my queen, I was telling Kelly yesterday that I get so many blessings that I don't have time to process them. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the time something wonderful happened to me, before I could process it, some wonderful stuff happened. You know, so I'm not really, really sure where our pivotal point is. I know that we are supposed to enjoy the journey. It's not about the destination. It's really about the journey because you might not ever reach the destination, but if you're having a great time on the journey, 
it don't matter if you reach destination or not. But if you ain't having fun on a journey and you up and die before you get to the destination, you done wasted a lot of time. You done messed your energy up. Somebody asked me the other day, well, Mr. Kaya, if you can come back, who would you come back as? I'm coming back as me. Michael Kaya, I had so much fun as me. I won't do that again. You know what I'm saying? So I think that, I mean, like, we're about to purchase our first home. I never bought a home. I'm about to buy my first home. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. And I realized this one house I've been renting for the last six years, I went and sat down to count the money. I done paid $154,000 to rent somebody else's house. I don't even own none of this. I cut the grass with their permission. Uh-uh, I'm done with that. I'm going to own my own. I've never had the courage to step out and do it. And I said, I'm going to step out and do it. And immediately, everything fell in place. The lender fell in place. I didn't know what my credit was. Last time I checked, it was a, a upper 500. You know, okay. it wasn't even a 600 okay. yet. Man, the lender called me back, sent me a congratulations on my credit rating. Wow. I said, wait a minute, hold up. You congratulate me? I ain't even heard nobody being congratulated on the credit rate. And since then, it's gone up again. So they said, oh, no, we're going to be able to get you in easy. Now we fall back on the fact that I was military police a thousand years ago. So I'm also a veteran. So that means whatever I'm moving into, I ain't got to show up with a down payment called the Veterans Administration. Take care of that. So the blessings just come on top of the blessings. As soon before I can finish thinking God for that blessing, then the next thing come up, you know, then my next show drop in my lap. And then. Somebody comes up and says, we want to produce that show. Then somebody show up, and I'm, the, the, Jamie Foxx, they put my name on the list, but I didn't even go and get no list. I said, I'm going. I don't know if my name is on the list or not. <laughs> we went and snuck on the bus with everybody else. <laughs> Just went on in the house and did my thing. And nobody never checked me, but everybody else, they put a little wrist on me. You have to check in, put a wrist on your hand. As I walked towards the shuttle, because you had to take a shuttle mm-hmm. to Jamie's house. Jamie's house is so big and fabulous. It's obscene. You can see it. Four blocks before you get to it, okay? So you had to drive past his house a block and a half to an empty lot where they had a tent set up. You'd go to the tent, get a bracelet. That bracelet gets you on a shuttle. The shuttle takes you to the house. Okay? No way. So when we parked and saw the shuttle, I just made a beeline to the shuttle. Well, of course, everybody know me. That's how I know yes. I was getting the BET Awards because it's not used the executives that let me in. The janitors let me in. The cleaning lady. The people who cook, they bring me through the kitchen underneath the basement and get me in. So I know if somebody will get me in. I, I look, the driver just waved at me. I went over and saw him. Am I going to need a brace? Mr. Kyle, come on, get in this bus and quit playing. Get in this shuttle. So I don't even know if my name was on the list or not, but I know I was going in. So we get there. You get to his house. You got to go through the big gates, and then you go about a block and a half up his road before you get to the next gates to take you to the house. So this ain't stuff that I'm guaranteed. This is stuff that I visualize, and then I walk in it. Oh, you know, I got this. Too short, walked up to me and talked to me. Man told me he's always doing stuff with Jamie, so I got his information. The girl with the pretty, she's got wearing magenta hair now. Uh, she just dropped a record like this week. Okay. Man, she's okay. fabulous. Tiana Taylor. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, she's lovely. Walked up and talked to her. I guess I met her before. She was like a friend. Michael, it's so good to see. Walked up and there was Buster Rhymes. I walked up, Buster Rhymes. All these people, I'm just me, hanging out, talking, getting information, writing up. My feet was killing me when I left, girl. You were up there with LL Cool J. You were up there with Boris Cujo. You were up there with Tiggy. I saw you. I saw you. And Lena Waite. I love Lena Waite. From the shot. So so I just had a good time. But once again, that's an ever- unrolling blessing. And it's because I think I start each morning with positivity. I get up every morning with a prayer, and that prayer is one of gratitude. It's not a one of begging. It's not one of asking, oh, Lord, please give me this, please give me that. I already know God wants me to have what I want to have. God wants us all to have what we want to have. That's why they say be careful what you ask for, because you mess around and get it. But most people don't think positive, positive. They think, well, it ain't going to work. Well, it ain't going to happen. This ain't going to, oh, I'll never do this. I'll never get that. And that's what you get because whatever you concentrate on, on that's what you get. I already know God want me to have what I want to have. So I don't get up big. I get up saying thank you. Thank you, God, for all these blessings. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family. Thank you for waking me up. Then I wake up next to this queen, to this wonderful, fabulous being named Kelly, who I know my mama sent directly to me, although my mother transcended. Two years before I met Kelly, 
There's no doubt in my military mind that my mother sent her directly to me. She's exactly what the doctor ordered. And I wake up and look at her. And if she turns and smiles at me, you can stick a fork in me because I'm done. <laughs> From and your mother's heart to yours. Oh, shit. Yes. yes. And then I start my day with prayer, but I brush my teeth first because I don't like to talk to God with a dirty mouth. <laughs> so I say the prayer as a positivity. Well, you know what that does is that focuses you on a positive day. If you start your day with prayers of gratitude, then you're already acknowledging that God is giving to you, that the universe is giving to you. And you're already setting up that type of day. You're setting a tone for the day. Now, if you get up and you kick your foot on the day, oh, shoot, I didn't kick my foot. Man, you, now you're cussing at the dog. Why the dog always in the way? Now your toothbrush falls on the floor. Oh, man, but you're starting that. And you're just keeping that energy going. You don't do that. You get up with love. You get up with light. You get up thanking everything and everybody for their existence. It's really strange how some people want you to do good, but they don't want you to do as good as them. You know, yes. some people are out there thinking, well, if this person getting this and this and this, that's going to diminish what I get. But it's not true. Anytime anyone gains, everyone gains. That's Anytime anybody gets anything, everybody gets some. You point. know, it's enough here for all of us to have everything. So that's why for me, it's kind of difficult to talk about a pivotal point because my life has been such a wonderful unfolding adventure you know you know i'm an addict so i did crack for 23 years and as of march 1st i have seven years of pure sobriety but that journey of being a real addict being out on the street late at night coming in 3 30 in the morning sneaking in trying not to wake up my wife heart pumping fast sweating like r kelly in a playground and then feeling all the guilt and the anxiety of that and then going right back through all of that it toughened me up it reminded me of what's really important, what life is really about, what's great. It showed me the things that I didn't want to have and the things that I didn't want to do and the person that I didn't want to be. So we have to bless everything that ever happened to us because everything is a blessing or a lesson, in most cases both. But everything that you've ever done brought you to where you are today. So I don't cuss any of it and I don't curse any of it. All of it is fabulous. So it's hard. Me to pinpoint. A lot of people would think my turning points when I won Star Search for 100000 then gave half to the homeless. Well, I made money. It gave me some popularity, but I still haven't reached what I consider the true stardom. You know, I think I'm what you call a semi-celebrity because a whole lot of people don't know who my guy is. A lot of people know me that I give me a free drink, but I'm not star status where every place I go, everybody know me. I'm not star status where I can just say my name and go to a theater and pack in. I don't have those numbers. That's why I'm working on my social media stuff build my number. I don't have it like that. But then I turn around and I did this one-man show, which is absolutely life-changing for me. One of the greatest things I ever did is the one-man show I'm doing now called Michael Kaya's Mama. Yes. You know, I'm going to do 100 cities with that show. I did 10 in L.A. and the Bassett came. She said it blew her away. Academy Award winner Lou Gossett came, said it blew his socks off. Can't wait to see it on Broadway. Robert Townsend came, said it changed his life. He said, I came on stage and peeled my skin off and gave it to the audience raw for two mm. hours. Jennifer Lewis made everybody stand up, although I don't think it's appropriate in theater to scream out, stand up, bitches, but she did it. And then, and then after that, uh, National, Black <laughs> National Black Theater Festival got wind of it oh and brought me down to do it there. And they said it was the best show of the season. Where do you summon up the energy to do that, Michael? Because it's hard if you have an ensemble cast, let alone a one-man show, and yet you're doing this night after night. How do you pull that together and still be the you that you are with so much light and energy? Well, have you noticed I like to talk? A little bit. A little bit. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> uh, so all they're doing is giving me an opportunity to talk for two hours. Because my show is 55 minutes in the first act and... 45 in a second. It's like a really like a two-hour show with a 15-minute intermission. A lot of times people think when a comedian is doing a one-man show, they think that it's a long comedy show, but it's not. This is a play. This is drama, and it covers my life from when I was a child and then moving into the projects. When we moved to the projects, we was moving from the lower ghetto to the upper ghetto. So like they said in good times, we was moving on up, and it follows me and my being raised with my four big brothers and my mama who loved my daddy who was a great alcoholic, but we adored him too, you know, and, and her relationship and her finding him to leave him so that she could do better for us because he was going to drink it all and to her moving on to a greater life for her and bringing a greater life to us and my father's demise and then my success and then my addiction. 
which comes right after the money. Because like Robin Williams said, cocaine is God's way of saying you make it too much damn money. So mm. to my addiction and then to my recovery and then to my addiction again and then to my finding a real comfortable place with spirit, with God, and that took me into my true addiction, which is from now on to my great love, to the relationship. I get to tell these stories and I'm unfolding at the same time. I'm becoming a greater me and learning more about myself as I share myself with the audience. And it's totally entertaining because it's dramatic and it's funny. Then it's dramatic and it's funny. It's a roller coaster. At the end, anybody who's ever known anybody on drugs, anybody who's got anybody in their family, know any friends, they all come to me and say, man, thank you for telling this story. The mothers come to me and they say, Mr. Kaya, if you ever need a home-cooked meal, you just call me. So I know that it's touching people, that it's moving people. And to be able to do that, it's another gigantic blessing from God. And the whole time, these whole 32 years, I don't work for nobody but me. I just work for my Kaya. And so where is the point that turned? I don't know what the point is. I know my mom transcended in 2011, and that was around the time when I finally quit getting high. Uh, a couple of years before that, I started really getting deep into church, into well, agape is our church, but it's not really a church. It's a, we call it a, an international uh, center of faith, you know, uh, yes. because I really think that religion is for people who believe that there's a hell and spirituality is for those of us who've actually been through it. And so I'm, I'm more so into spirit than I am into religion. You know, I know that the spirit I love had created everything from nothingness and loves us all unconditionally. But when I start getting into religions, they be saying things that I don't go along with. I don't believe in hell fire and brimstone. I don't believe in my God being a generous God. There's only one God, and he don't really care what y'all call him. You know what I'm saying? I took a picture in my house the other day of these beautiful flowers in a vase. And I had a Buddha, and I have a Hindu figure, and I had the cross, the Christian cross. And somebody wrote, they couldn't see the love. I said, just take a minute and smell the flowers. Just enjoy your life. And they wrote, well, you can't serve two masters. Well, I only have one master. My master is spirit. And he don't care what you call him. You can call him Jesus. You can call him Jesus Daddy. You can call him Yahweh. You can call him Yahoo. You can call him Bob. You can call him whatever you want to call him. He don't care. He just wants you to call him. And you call him by how you live, by how you treat people. My minister has the best joke in the world about that. So this guy dies and goes to the next place. St. Peter come up to him. He's going to give him a tour. He said, look, over there, those are the Christians. Shh, shh. Okay, now over there, those are the Muslims. Shh, shh, Okay, over there, those are the Hindus. Shh, shh. And the guy said, well, why do you keep whispering? He said, because they all think they're the only ones here. Oh. <laughs> so my thing is about spirit. It's about living and loving and raising the consciousness and the love and the light of the universe. That's where I am with it. So I started going agape, and I started really wanting to unfold into my greater self. Agape taught me that you could be anything, and you can do anything if you keep God first. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's I only am going to lead with my heart. That's why I don't believe in stuff like hellfire and brimstone. Yeah. I, some of the books say that, that if you, they have a thing called sin, and you could be a sinner. I don't believe in that stuff. I believe that God said you're the center. You're the center of his universe, and he loves you unconditionally. That's what I believe. I think some other folks got to write and stuff in the back room so they can control what we think and came mm-hmm. up with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And God will be mad. You'll burn hell, fire, and brim. So let me tell you something. I got a son that's 38 years old, and he ain't shit. But let me tell you something. I wouldn't want him to burn his finger for 10 seconds, mm-hmm. let, let alone let burn his whole body forever. Let me tell you something. A guy that thinks like that needs some anger management courses. So that's not the guy that I'm, that ain't the guy that I'm hanging out with. But the master that I'm hanging out with created everything from nothingness. He did it in the name of love, and he did it for all of us. He loves all of us unconditionally and without judgment. Now, we don't understand all of it. Our brain does not have the capacity to understand it. When you talk about God is unconditional and he loves everybody unconditionally, then why are children being killed and molested? How can people get raped? How can people get murdered? How can whole societies crash and explode? Where was God? God was there the whole time. God is everywhere. There is no place that you can go that God is not. Is not. There is no heaven or hell where God does not exist. He and all of it. But we do not have the capacity to be able to understand all of it. You know, I don't understand uh, the love like God understands love. Sure. But I know I'm supposed to be doing it. I'm supposed to be doing it the best I can.
can as much as I can, but I don't understand why he does all the things he does. My job is to try to be a human. And what a lot of people forget about is the humanity of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. they'll read the book and say, you got to do this, you got to do that. But what about the human aspect? You know, sometimes I make a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm just a human. I stepped into the wrong thing. I made a left when I should have made a right. Should I be punished? Should I have to burn? Should I? No, come on, man. I'm just like every other human on this planet. I'm feeling my way around and trying to figure the damn thing out. In the end, I hope I haven't done too much damage to others and that I've brought maximum amount of joy to myself and my family because everything's about family and God. Once you get family and God down, everything else takes care of itself. Now, if you learn to love yourself and you learn to love your family, you will automatically love everybody else that you come in contact with because you can't love others unless you love yourself. And once you love yourself, you want to love the world. It's automatic because it feels so good. You just want to share that with people. You want to give that to somebody else. That's you want to give all that for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to take that thing, shake it out, right. hand it to the next person. <laughs> yeah. And then if you just up and die, so what? Mm-hmm. You've had a wonderful time. You've had a marvelous time. You've had a great time. So there's no time for misery or pain. There's no time for sorrow and anger and ugliness. What is that about? That doesn't benefit anybody and it don't take you further. It keeps you standing still. I have so many wonderful, wonderful blessings. This one man show right now, the greatest thing that's happened to me, but mm. I've had 10 other great things happen before that. Sure, You know, sure, I sure. have Kelly. Kelly is a turning point for me. And Kelly came in right around the time that I just started really getting sober, cleaned up, right around the time my mom transcended. That's why I just know my mother's center. She's so wonderful for me. And we're different. Oh, she vegetarian. In fact, she vegan. And I ain't. No, I think we got to eat these animals, you know. But she ain't, she ain't gonna eat no animal. She ain't gonna eat anything that ever had a heart or a face. She ain't she gonna do it and she ain't gonna prepare it. All the other day, she wouldn't cook shrimp for me. Well, she was gonna cook shrimp, but she's like, well, I gotta go to the store for it and get some plastic bags. I mean, get some plastic gloves for my hand. I said, no, I'm gonna cook my own damn shrimp. I ain't, you ain't cooking my food with no plastic bag and plastic gloves. If I find a bug in the house, I'm not allowed to kill it. I got to put it in a cup and release it. That's how she loves. That's who she is. She loves on that deep level. I remember when we first got together, we was walking down the street one day. She pulled away from me and walked over and hugged a tree. Mm. I said, what kind of voodoo bitch? <laughs> anyway, um, but she is magical. She is my reason, man. She's the reason that I breathe. The reason I want to get mm. up the next day. The reason. That I want to succeed and be great and wonderful because I want to give it to her and I want to lift her up and I want her to be on this journey with me. I was just watching her walk the other day and I was telling her, I am just overjoyed that I get to walk with you for the rest of my life. Mm, you know, it's just, a, it's just a great, great blessing. So it's hard for me to answer the one question that I've come here today to answer. But you've answered, one it. The turning point. you've answered it in, in many wonderful, splendid ways about these very, okay. you've had several pivotal moments is what it sounds like. And now you have Kelly. And they're still coming. And they're still coming. They're still coming. The key to that daily. Daily. You blessings. know, I get to a point where I really expect a miracle a day. Yeah. I mean, if I go a whole day and don't have a miracle, something is terribly wrong. I mean, I get a miracle every day. And it's because I've come to expect it. I've come to expect it. I had a lean on my property, uh, not on my property, a lien on me for back tax that was supposed to be like around 26 grand. Mm. And I called the IRS to say, look, I want to just pay off this lien. They said, oh, your lien is $651. I said, what? <laughs> Wait, said we both said it I the same time. I think you're talking fast. <laughs> they went back and said it. I said, I'm writing the check right now. I was putting it in the mail tonight. Okay? Lien gone. Every no day. Way. Something like this happened. Oh, my I mean, God. We were planning on getting a house. I put it on my vision board. Do you have a vision board? I do. I do. It Yay, makes such a difference you. because you can look at it every day and it positions your focus and keeps you there. Yes. And it gets you to it that quick. It gets Absolutely. you to it that quick. I have on my vision board that by Thanksgiving of this year, I'm going to be in a new house. Mm-hmm. Well, two months ago, the management of this house came to this house. They have never come to this house in the six years I've been here. I looked out the door and a white lady walking towards the house with a piece of paper in her hand. I said, oh, Lord, I think we're about to go. We're about to go. Um, and she walked up with the paper and she said, look, here, we're going to need this property back in two months. In 60 days, the law said we got to give you 60 days. I said, well, what happened? Well, we're, nothing's wrong, Mr. Callier. You're a perfect tenant. The owner would just like his property back and we're giving you 60 days. 
And the visionary board and spirit, they're on their own clock. If you say you're going to do a thing, they're going to make sure that thing happens. So I put it on the vision board. I didn't need to go in June, but I need to be there before mm. Thanksgiving. But I put it on the vision board. So now the universe is starting to work it out. How do I make it happen? How do I make it happen? How do you get there in time for Thanksgiving? So here come the ladies. Now, I know what's happening here because I live in Inglewood. Mm. So I'm five minutes away from the Forum, which is the biggest concert structure in the city. Mm-hmm. And one block from that, they're building our new stadium. And six blocks from that, they're building a new train. So the property value here is shooting through the roof. Yes. Owner want his property back, man. He claimed he's going to move in there. I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> I think he's going to fix this thing up and sell, sell it for it. three times what it's worth. But that's his. This is property. I ain't mad at him. If he wants his stuff back, he can get it back. But 60 days, that kind of tight. So I wrote him and I said, bro, bro, 60 days kind of tight. Three months. Three months more workable for me. He wrote me back, well, Mr. Kai, you know you've been an outstanding exemplary uh, tenant. We've never had a complaint. If there's anything I could do to help you, I would help you. I said, I told you what you can do. Not a day. Give me 30 more days. He said, well, I don't see why that's going to be a problem at all. I'll talk, talk to the management company, and we're going to make it happen. So I had 90 days to get out of here. So immediately, I started working. I hadn't planned on moving like that. So now I'm starting to call around. First thing I find is a lender. Lender come back to me. I got exemplary credit. Then I realized I'm a veteran. Now I don't have to do a down payment. Then I realized I've been saving money towards this. I got enough just in time. Then I found out about that lean thing. It's just every day. In a new neighborhood, going to homes and shopping, going up and, and through the houses, through the garages, and looking at the different rooms and the property and the land. And people are taking me serious the whole time. I keep thinking, sooner or later, somebody catch on and go, oh, he's just joking. And everybody will just bust up laughing. But it's actually happening. It's true. And we found a place that we love, but they wanted too much money. They wanted more than they asked for mm-hmm. when we went to look at the place because they knew we liked it. So they started adding money to it. <laughs> we said we go look at five other places. We went look at five other places and found another place that was better for the same amount of money. What? Watch blessing out. on top of blessing on top of blessing. That's why I try not to hurt people as I go along. Like, my mother's always watching me, so I don't do no dirt on purpose. If I do something to you that was terrible, I swear to God, it was a mistake. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, because it's about live and let live. It's about light. It's about God. It's about joy. It's interesting because that thing has never been true for me. Okay. It's never been difficult for me in the public Good. because I like it. It's so like you thrive off of it. Yeah, Miss Tiffany Haddish she's having the time of her life. Oh, I love and Tiffany. I was listening. Oh, I love Tiffany. And I was listening to her get interviewed by Jada the other day. And Jada was like, well, girl, what is it like now that everybody's talking to you? Everybody pull at you. And she stopped and said, I like it. Well, I'm the same way. <laughs> I like it. I enjoy people. That's my yes, thing. Yes, you know, if I can be around people and we laugh and we yes. hug and we break bread, that's joyful. And at the end of the day, when I get through doing that, they hand me money. It's fabulous. What am I going to complain about? I think complaining is a sin, and I'm not going to have any part of that. Nope. Especially since I don't believe in sin. So that's out the window. I don't have any problem with it. I get up every day and treat this life of mine like it's an adventure. I make sure I have fresh cut flowers every day. I don't buy them every day. I might buy them every three, four days. But I tell men all the time, always bring fresh flowers home. If you don't have a woman, bring them for yourself. You got to have something alive in your house. And it don't cost but $10. You can go to Vons and get a dozen roses. You can go to any grocery store and get a dozen roses for $10. And if you cut an inch off the bottom every day, you can make them flowers last five or six days. And you put them in fresh water, cut them. So that means you basically invest in 10 bucks in yourself. Don't tell your woman <laughs> that you, you spent $10 on flowers. Don't tell her. Just hand her the flowers. Yes. Imagine how your woman feels when she gets up every morning and she walks into the kitchen. She's looking at fresh cut flowers that were brought for her. My woman sees fresh She's flowers sorry. every day. You come to my house and ain't no flower, fresh cut flower, I'm broke as hell. I'm ready to go rob a liquor store, you know? So, but I get up in the morning, I cut my flowers, man. I, I drink some water. I, think I start the day with my prayer. I thank God for everything. And then I march out into the universe having a great time and having an adventure, riding this life like it's a horse, man. It's a bronco. It might try to throw me every now and then, but I just hold on and keep smiling. And sooner or later, it calms down and it takes me where I want to go. Child, I've been in trouble a thousand times. <laughs> God has saved my crooked black behind more times than Van Camp's got pork and beans. But I'll tell you what's always been for me, the healing balm for me, the salvation for me, has always been prayer. Prayer fixes everything.
everything. I swear to God, from you biting or hurting your fingernail to you crashing your car into the wall, prayer has always saved me. And here's the thing that people have to think about. Everybody who's alive today has been through a hundred things that they thought they'd never make it to the other side of. And guess what? They're here right now. 99% of the things that we worry about don't even come true. 99% of the stuff we think is going to be terrible. That stuff don't even happen. So the thing is, if it's getting difficult, if that job you want is difficult, you got a relationship that ain't working, it's difficult, pray on it. Sometimes I want my woman to move a different way in our growth. I pray on it. Mm -hmm. Praying on it also takes your system and develops it to be ready to deal with whatever the situation is. It's like a preparatory tool. You know, you say, okay, I got this test guy I have to take tomorrow to get this job. Study for the test. Yes. But then pray on it. So you're going in with the right attitude. And then all the other tools of the universe will line up for you. Prayer saves me a gazillion times. You know, it, it saved me on the house. It saved me. We put prayer on it. Prayer re-navigates whatever you're doing. And it always navigates it towards the good. Amen. It always navigates it towards the better, towards Amen. the sweetness, towards the light. Let me ask you this. I know you're pressed for time and you've had a few calls. so I know You thought you were going to be on here for 20 minutes, didn't you? No, no. I thought about <laughs> I thought it was like 30 or 45 minutes. Take me 20 minutes. It take me 20 minutes to say howdy, girl. Ain't no way people call me to try to do a like 15-minute interview. I'll be like, okay, let's see if that works out. Let's That's see how that works out. I was going to ask, what's been most surprising to you about your journey thus far? That I ain't did yet. What's most surprising is how great and how nice people really are out there. Hmm. You know, a lot of us are living a life of fear. We're terrified. Somebody's coming to get us. Something's wrong. Something ain't going to work out. But the truth is, there's a whole community of good out there that loves you, that's looking for you, and that wants to embrace you and help you. And I'm surprised every time I see it, but I see more of it because I seek more of it. You know, I positive things, and then I go places, and I'm just, I'm just surprised and sometimes almost tearful mm-hmm. from how kind people are and people that you don't expect to be nice. Mm-hmm. You know, folks want you to think that white folks hate all black folks, and that's not true. A lot of white folks. Do hate a lot of black folks. A lot of black folks hate a lot of white folks too. But that is not what the truth is. The truth is that most people are good. That most people see if the negative or the bad was greater than the good, then this world would have perished a long time ago. There's three times as many positive people as there are negative people. But the negative people are only the negative people because they're frightened, because there's fear. Like we have this presidential fear monger right now. Who's, his job is to make everybody afraid of everybody so he can keep winning. So he stirs these things up, you know. In fact, that's why I think this country is so great, because this is the longest we've ever gone without a president. And we're, just, we're doing just fine. We're, doing, we're still doing just fine. But, but he won with that seer thing. He yes. makes white folks think all the black people are coming, and the minorities are coming, and, and, and the foreigners are coming, and the immigrants. Well, this country was built by immigrants. The only Americans in this country are the American Indians, and nobody is treated worse in this country than them in this state country that was stolen by the very people who are calling everybody else immigrants and telling them they can't come in. It's wacky and it's scary, but that's why you always keep yourself centered. You get back to the truth, and the truth is God. Because for me, see, God is everything or it's nothing. You know, either he's all of that or he ain't shit. If there is no middle ground. Either God is or he ain't. For me, God is. And so he's all. So I start my day with God. I keep it centered and focused. And if something throws me off, I jump back in the center by getting back to prayer, taking a moment to catch my breath and breathe. And did you grow up in a prayer for house, Michael? Where was your mom? No, we was cousin and everything, girl. Okay. No, let me tell you, my family, actually, my mom was a really big Catholic. And I have very religious folks who, who was in my family. My great-grandfather was a big bishop, a Catholic bishop in Chicago. And his sister was very high in that order, too. And my mother was very Catholic. So we knew God. In my household, we knew he was there. We just didn't hang out with him that much. But my mama would make us go to church. But every every now and then, we had to go to Catholic church because she was a Catholic, you know. Mm -hmm. But I went through so much stuff. I was an atheist for a while. I was agnostic. I tried my hand at being a Muslim. I was a Mm -hmm. sanctifist at the Church of God in Christ for a while. I was a Baptist. I tried a whole lot of different things, and then I realized 
that God is just one, man. God is just God. Spirit is just spirit. That thing that really loves us and embraces us and, and protects us and guides us and leads us. I came to that realization being at Agape. And so I go to the church that's Agape, that's Agape, Muslims show up and Hindus and Christians, a lot of Christians and everybody show up and people who don't have a religion, they show up because when it comes down to truth, you can't put that in one box or category. All truth belongs to God. All love belongs to God. And God and love are interchangeable words. God is love. You could switch them up in sentences yes, and they'll yes. still come out the same. Our spiritual center, Agape, is all about that. So when I got there, and I went looking for churches too, Nikita. Let me tell you something. I was at a point in my life where I really wanted church. You know, that's when I was starting to, to try to kill my addiction. I was a real strong addict, and I was coming home late at night. And one night, about 3.30 in the morning, I called. I was just like tired of my wife crying, and I called Cocaine Anonymous. I said, I'm going to get my life together. And this brother picked up the phone, and he said, man, well, come on down. We got this meeting uh, Saturday at 9.15, and I went to the meeting. And it was really, really good for me for a moment, and it, it sort of stopped my addiction for almost a year. Then I jumped back off. I didn't fall off the wagon. I hopped off the wagon because I was missing crack, you know? But I missed it like that bad girlfriend. You know, the, <laughs> the girlfriend. The, the, you know, the one the that little real good. But once you're through, you want her to get out of the house. You get on out of there. Don't you call me no more. Leave my number. Leave my number. And so I found myself back in the midst of it again, and I found myself again on my bed. 3.30 in the morning, my wife laying there feeling miserable and crying. And I call Cocaine Anonymous again. I'll be damned if the same fella who answered the phone a year ago is the same person that answered the, uh, the anonymous phone call and invited me back to the meeting again. And during that time, as I was seeking to get sober, I was also seeking a church. And I would drive around on Sundays, and any place I saw a bunch of black people standing outside with suits, I'd get out and go check it out because I know there's holding some church in there. Gotcha. Yeah, I know they're holding. They, it's either church or jazz show. So I think they're holding. <laughs> At church going on in there. And, but one church I went made me mad. I was in Pomona, California, and I walked in, and everybody was just swinging their arms and walking. And, oh, he's wonderful. Oh, he's fabulous. And one lady walked past me. She said, he is the bomb. And I thought she meant the minister. I said, who? She said, Jesus. Jesus is the bomb. And I said, oh, I like that. I like I might have found my home. Then the minister said, well, you know, we're going to take a, a second collection. Uh -oh. Now, I'm not going to tell you what this collection is for. Y'all just going to trust it. I'm going to use it, uh, amen, for the good of the church. So I'm going to ask some of you, I'm just going to ask you outright, who would be willing to just give me $100? Everybody, and I ain't trying to put them on the spot now, I ain't trying to put them on the spot, but everybody who's willing to give $100, just let me see you raise your hand. I mean, you know what? Stand up. Let me just, I just, just let me just see you stand up. The $100, to, oh, that look good. Oh, God, I'm, I'm going to do a second blessing, a special blessing. For, wait, anybody do 50? Can somebody do 50? Let the $50 people say, oh, God bless you. Okay, y'all just stand right. I ain't trying to put nobody else on the spot. But with all the people with the $100 donations, and the $50 donation, come out into the aisle, just line up, because I'm going to stop right now. It's just special. Bless him for you. And I left the church because I was about to cuss out a minister. And I know it ain't right to cuss out a minister, but I was about to cuss out a minister because I don't like people pimping in the name of the Lord. I don't like that. That's not what this is about. That's a whole different thing. And I left that church. And then one day I went to Agape. And I was sitting there, and within six minutes, I knew that I was home. Everything about it was love. The moment I walked into the presence of the church, I could feel the Spirit hug me. I ain't never been no place like this before, where everyone looked at you as though they were saying, I love you. They looked at you. They had to open their mouth and say, I love you. They just looked at you like, welcome. They looked at you like, hey, you're home. And I knew that day that that was my church, and I, I ain't left that since. You know, I've been there, no, shoot. No, I've been there longer than that. Shoot. I might have been there almost 14 years now. I've been there a long time. Because I was there for a while wow. before I really got this addiction straight. Do you think you would ever go into ministry, given some of your, you know? No. No? No. Let's Never. Are you that. sure? 100%. Let's just stop that right Michael, there. It's, we'll just, you that right off right it's there. just you and me talking. No, I can't do that because I love cuss too much. I just love cussing. <laughs> I just think cussing is so much fun. And they wouldn't let me in. I mean, when I got some cussing, they'd be like, the Reverend Kyle, we're going to need you to leave the building now. So, no, I don't I don't think I will ever do that. I, I already have a ministry. My ministry is the ministry of joy. It it's is. a ministry of comedy. Every place I go, I try to heal people through laughter. And I try to remind them that you are your brother's keeper and your sister's too. You know, and if you could just remember that it's all about love, 
then it's going to be okay. It's just that's all it's about. Everything else is nonsense. In fact, there is a saying in this, this one book called The Course of Miracle. The Course of Miracle says every loving thought is real, and everything else is an appeal to healing. Every loving thought is real. Everything else, the way it said, I got a barnacle in my head. Could you please pull that thing out? That hurt. Yeah. But everything that's loving is true. Everything else is a way of saying, hey, help me. I'm kind of struggling with this. Help me. That's so if we just walk with number love, the love, 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 then you'll be just surrounded with it. I'm standing in my living room, and it's a small living room. But every way I turn, I see pictures and things that represent love, that represent light, that represent God in all of his forms and fashions. Well, 172 is a play. That's Michael Kai's mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the play. That's the play that I'm, I'm going to do 100 cities. We are, and we just shot it for Netflix. However, we ain't talked to Netflix about it. Okay, okay. And, and Speak then, those and things that be not that, as though they were. That's right. Yes. And the lesson in it, too, is you go do you. Yes. And don't wait for nobody to give you permission to be you. People say, aren't you boycotting? Have you heard Monique's story? Aren't you boycotting? Netflix, hell no. I ain't boycotting <laughs> nothing but poverty. Okay, I'm boycotting poverty. Oh, that's, that's it. <laughs> but my thing is, I've been telling everybody I'm shooting it for Netflix. Yeah. I want to have one of the top directors, Leslie Small, who directed it. He's off the chain. He's done every, he's directed every major special by Kevin Hart, everyone by Cat Williams, everyone by Steve Harvey. Okay. And so he's respected by everyone of HBO, Showtime, all the top entities that would put this show on. He's respected by them. I went and got him to direct it. I went and shot it in a great theater. Six camera shoot. I laid the show out. The oh, wow. audience went crazy. And now we're editing it. Okay. Now when I get to editing it, then I'm going to approach Netflix. Meanwhile, I'm telling everybody, I shot it for Netflix. Hopefully the world will get back to Netflix. Then Michael Kaya shot a show just for y'all. So by the time I get there and say, look what I shot for y'all, they're going to say, we heard about that. We was waiting for it to get here. But they might say, no, we don't want it. That's okay. I'll sell the HBO. Or I'll sell the Showtime. Or I'll sell the Comedy Central. Or I'll sell it out the back of my car. I don't give a damn. I fill up the trunk and I go to wherever I'm doing shows. And when I get through, I say, y'all know I did a play and come out to the car. Because, you know, a lot of times I go and do concerts and I want to sell my books or my CDs and they want too much of money. The theater say, well, we take 30%. 30%? I don't give my ex-wife 30%? 30%? So I stand on stage the microphone. I say, well, the place here want to rob me. They want 30% of my merchandise, so I can't sell it in their building. Meet me at the limo. I'll have the trunk open. I'm selling everything. And people come out in the street and line up and buy the merchandise out the trunk of the car. So I'll do that if I have to. But the thing is to go ahead and do what you say you're going to do. Yes. See, if you continue to do what you say you're going to do, the universe pulls together all the other elements you know for you to succeed in what you're saying you're going to succeed in. All you have to do is commit to it. So this play, like I said, I did 10 shows here. You know, I went and did four in North Carolina and Winston-Salem, North Carolina for National Black Theater Festival. Came back here and did it again to shoot for Netflix. And now we're sending my package out all over the country to cities and inviting them to bring me to their city. If you know anybody who's listening want to bring me to the city, all they got to do is go to my email, comicking123 at AOL.com and say, Michael, bring the play to us. And I'll send them a package. We'll set it up. But I'm, I'm going to do 100 cities around the world, not just around the U.S. I'm doing this show in England. I'm doing it in Ireland, Australia. I'm doing this show everywhere because it's universal. Our mothers and God, that's universal. The reason I love who I see when I look in the mirror in the morning is because of my mother and because of Father God. Those two are the ones that guide me through all of it and love me and heal me and make me dig me too. I like me. And then you got to start it there, man. Well, you Michael gotta Collier, like I got to tell you, I love your tagline. Michael Collier, hard to ignore, impossible to forget. And that is so true. <laughs> it's on his website, and that is within everything you have said here today. Is there anything, because we touched on so many things. This has been such a great conversation. You're hilarious. Thank you. Hilarious <laughs> and, you. and powerful and spiritual and truthful. And that is a combination that you don't always see, you know, on the big screen and on the big stage, but you're doing it and doing it well. Anything else that you want to share, Michael, that we didn't touch on? You know, I don't even know. I talked about so much stuff. Oh, I have a third book coming. Oh, my yes. third book comes out in November. So, you know, I have two books so far. The first book is on the president, yes. my president, Barack Obama. <laughs> and it's all funny thing happened on the way to the White House. I knocked on the door and a brother answered. That book ain't but $10. And you can be able to get all these on my website, which is therealmichaelcowyer.com. If you go there and can't find merchandise, go to Comic King. 
123 at and just email me and I'll get merchandise to you. My second book is a poetry book for adult children. It's called Miss Innocent Goes to Cool School and Other Silly Stuff. But my third book is motivational speaking from a comedic point of view. It's called Michael Goes Motivational. I'm going to use that so I can build a tour of motivational speaking around the country as well. We do a thing right now, I've been doing now for 14 years, called Comics Go to Jail. So once a month, I take four to six comics into a local prison. We're going to Terminal Island here, and we go in and do an hour-and-a-half concert for free for the inmates every month. And I've been doing that now for 14 years. I'm hoping to expand that to do prisons around the country. I would love to do that as well. Once again, that's Michael Kaya, Comic King 123 at AOL.com. In case anybody in any city can bring me with some folks to do the prison in your town, contact me and I will come down and bring them. But those are the things I'm doing. I got the books out there. I'm doing the play. I do comedy shows all the time. And if you go to my webpage, it also lists where I'm performing. You can come out and support the shows. Well, I, I want to tell you, ladies now. and gentlemen, I've seen Michael Collier. If you have not, you are missing it because he is, his, if you think he's hysterical in this podcast, on this show, see him on stage. <laughs> he is. Yeah, and I'm subdued right now. <laughs> I'm all quiet and low energy. No, you're not you quiet. Me when I get out there. <laughs> I have had a great time. You've been very generous in letting me talk you to death because we know there's no worse death than being talked to death. And you <laughs> have patiently allowed me to just babble on. I thank you so very much, you know. I've enjoyed and, every and minute it, of it, every single minute. You're a sweetheart. Yeah, I God have. bless you real good. Oh, my gosh. That was such a great show. Many thanks and shout out to Michael Collier for joining us and for sharing several pivotal moments. And most of all, for being hilarious. What a great guy. And also, speaking of another great guy, and available now on Pivotal Moment, listen to our podcast, if you haven't already, with Rob King. Rob is ESPN's Senior Vice President of Original Content News Gathering and Digital Media. He basically runs it all. He tells us about a moment on the basketball court that gave him a new outlook on life, on the court and off the court. He also gives us three pieces of advice that he'll never forget. If you've ever, ever dreamed about a career in sports or sports media or anywhere else, honestly, for that matter, you don't want to miss Rob King's advice on how to get there. Also available, listen to our talk with former Chicago Bears and Tampa Bay player Major Wright. His experience at seven years old, seven years old, led to a career in the NFL. And also, new episodes of Pivotal Moment, we will talk to Miami model maker and beauty mogul Sunny Morrison. She tells us about three words at the very end of her very first beauty pageant that changed her life. We'll also talk to Dr. Kelly Richmond Pope. You do not want to miss this one. She's the creator and executive producer of the new documentary, All the Queen's Horses. She tells Pivotal Moment about how one question, just one, opened the door to a documentary with Netflix and so much more. You do not want to miss our guests and their stories. These stories, they really remind us that where we are and where we want to be is within reach. That's what Pivotal Moment does. That's what Pivotal Moment is about. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Nikita Faustin. Talk to you next time. <laughs>